Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Story Smack. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show and here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this festive holiday-themed Story Smack. We are talking about a Christmas story. My partner in crime, my business partner, my wife, A. Kovacs, or excuse me, A. Sigler now. Sooner or later, I'll get it through my head. She is not available. She is uh, she's on the uh, the IR. Is that right, Rob? Is it the sports term? The the um, injured reserve? Yeah, but that means she can't come back for at least like six weeks, so you better hope she's not on the IR. <laughs> All right, well. She's just, she's just doubtful for today. So joining me today will be none other than, of course, Empty Set Movie Maven and Midwest Regional BB Gun second place runner-up, <laughs> Mr. Robert Otto. It, Rob, how are you? Why, why do you always give me like second and third place? Can I win one of these freaking <laughs> things one of these days? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's that's totally fair. That's totally fair. Seeing as I don't know what the next movie is, uh, we'll figure that out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, rocking, going old school. WK, I love it. WKRP in Cincinnati, MFers. Great show. Greatest radio show of all time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, I will uh, be zipping in and out of the chat room. Usually A helps out with that. But we are here to have a bunch of stinking fun. Let's see. This is episode 61 of Story Smack. I've introduced my main man, Rob Otto, and uh, you will either shoot your eye out or if you listen to us, we'll poke your ear out. One of the two. Rob, what do you think of this movie? Is it is it worth it? Is this, I'm sure you've come prepared as you always do. Do you think this movie is worthy? Is it the best Christmas movie of all time or just tied for the best Christmas movie of all time? It's, you know, it... There's a lot of really great Christmas movies. Um, I would maybe in the the newer category or the like the bronze category right in the middle between the old school black and whites and some of the nouveau ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's the best of that group. Oh, I see. Um, I see. May, maybe it's gotten passed by by Elf, which is funny because Peter Billingsley was in Elf oh, well, as well. So well, he's got a He's got a racket, though. He's got that Christmas racket. He does. All he, he needs does. is a couple of points, a fraction of a point in these movies. He could play it every Christmas over and over again. Brother never has to work again. So I'm assuming that most of you have watched A Christmas Story. If you haven't, let me give you movie guy voice synopsis. Based on the humorous writings of author Gene Shepard, this beloved holiday movie follows the wintry exploits of youngster Ralphie Parker, who spends most of his time dodging a bully and dreaming of his ideal Christmas gift, a Red Rider air rifle. Frequently at odds with his cranky dad, but comforted by his doting mother, Ralphie struggles to make it to Christmas Day with his glasses and his hopes intact. And uh, the one time I could have thrown in some foul language in there because A's not here, I I did not do that. So <laughs> actually, she'd probably be swearing at you right now. Uh, uh, so we're swear, good. She does swear at me a lot. F bombs fly pretty pretty free in the in the Sigler household. <laughs> so uh, I will be doing A's. I've stolen A's information to entertain all you guys. A Christmas Story came out in 1983. It cost four million dollars to make, which in today's numbers is 10.5. That's a not incredibly expensive movie a nice next to nothing next to nothing that, that can be that can be done it took in just shy of 20 million domestically in the original release which adjusts to approximately 52.3 million today so big 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 success and of course whatever they're getting paid for tbs to run it non-stop for 24 hours on christmas day who who can imagine how much money they're making uh there um, and that's really scotty where this movie has made its money i mean yeah i made 20 million in the day, five times, you know, five times the amount that it cost. But people didn't think this was a classic. People didn't think this was a huge success. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't until it started getting out and being, you know, bought on video cassette. And then it really exploded, you know, when when the TBS and TNT started showing it, eventually leading, as you mentioned, into that 24 hours of Christmas story starting on Christmas Eve, which is 
I just have it on the background for 24 hours. I, it's I, just I, on. I can remember you pick being, this movie up anywhere. I can remember being at the, uh, with my in-laws of my, my former wife, the evil queen, and just so, so full on turkey and all the good Midwestern stuffings and just sat there and I watched it three times in a row. No, you just, can't. And that's, over that's and over. the cool thing about this movie is that it's, it's really a series of vignettes kind of all tied together with, you know, the BB gun storyline mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then the lamp storyline kind of layers on top of that. But it's, you can just pick up at any single spot and appreciate and enjoy the next 10 minute chunk because they're all little chunks, little chunks in this movie. It's almost like a Seinfeld episode in that regard. Rob, yeah. uh, he he winds up getting his his dream Christmas present, the Red Rider BB gun with a thing of stock, which tells time. Uh, what was the best Christmas present you ever got? And you guys in the chat room, go back childhood, 10 years old or younger, mm-hmm. the best Christmas present you ever got. I want to see someone in there. Rob, how about you? So, Scotty, obviously you and I are the same age since we have exactly the same birthday. We're twins. We're twins separated birth. Yeah. um, So, Star Wars came out in 1970. Was it eight or nine? 78. What year was it? I'm pretty sure 78. 77, right? 77. Okay, 77, right. So, 78. Whatever the hell it was. Mm -hmm. The year we turned 10, um, because remember, they didn't have the toys. They didn't think about the toy idea. Okay. And they didn't have the toys ready for that Christmas of the summer that it came out. So it was the next year people started getting the toys. And I started out with a, a Han Solo and a Stormtrooper because, you know, they had to fight, right? Of and course. eventually started getting more and the getting the droids and that kind of stuff. Well, mm-hmm. so the Christmas, about a year and a half after it came out, I got the multi-layered Death Star oh, play snap. set. Oh, 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 oh. I mean that I didn't know what an orgasm was at the time, but I had a mental one of those. And, uh, you know, it had the three layers and you could do Obi-Wan turning off the the power generator, Luke swinging across the chasm. Of course, in the basement was the trasher with this little guy. Oh, God, he has it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Still got him. (laughs) Still got him. I mean, that was. That's that incredible. We've had it all these years. From our uh, Rob Tinarella says Star Wars came out in 1976. Kim Hansen got an ant farm. That's the best present she ever got. Howard Red Huffy bicycle. I I really I have such a bad memory. I can't remember. It was probably uh, Legos. I've got a bunch of Legos, uh, <laughs> or may have gotten a bicycle, but uh, my memory does not go back that far. I don't know if we had. I don't know if we had in television at the time or not. Uh, but. So Rob said, well, this, this was a great segment. Thanks, Scotty. Way to go, buddy. Let's, let's, a, a was supposed to carry the weight on this one because I don't know. Rob actually has his present still to this day. Uh, uh, Josh was one, 1,138% jealous of the fact that you actually have that toy. The Death Star I know, was I awesome. I still have it. The, oh, my God. Big Well had the Ghostbusters firehouse. What? Jesus. Nice. The real Ghostbusters. Kate is the best thing she ever got was a pink stuffed lion named Rugby. I mean, okay, I'm not that much into stuffed animals, but if that if that resonated, oh, that's right, Dennis. Dennis says the six million dollar man doll and the rocket oh. that converted into his base with the roll up latex sleeve that you could pull out yes. the little bionic parts in the arm. Oh shoot, yeah. that was a. Uh, I never had a, a, a six million dollar man doll, I and I was oh, very yeah. jealous of Dave and Chris Karen's because they had, <laughs> they had, they had him, they had the Bigfoot and they even had Oscar Goldman. So I'm oh, just yeah. saying they had the whole, yeah, the whole panel, whole panel. Wesley Hunter says he loves my signed GFL books. So buy yourself one for Christmas and that will be, Merry the, best, Christmas. be the best Christmas present you ever had in your whole life. All right. <laughs> so, uh, as you guys know, we tr- we are due to YouTube being YouTube. We can't show clips of the movie even with the volume off. So what we do is we go into some of the details behind the scenes of all these movies. And we're going to start out with the cast. Where's my magic cast button? Actors. Going into it, let's start out. We're going with Bob Clark. Bob Clark yeah. was the screenwriter, the director. He also, oh my gosh, I didn't know this. This wrote is great. And directed, I mean, this is crazy. Well, movies that were absolutely a staple crop of Rob and I's teen years, the Porky's movies. He did the first yes. two Porky's movies. Are you kidding me? First two, and because those teenage sex rops were so successful, uh-huh. 
they kind of gave him this project that he really wanted to do. And in later years, Bob Clark says, God, those Porky's movies were awful, but it allowed me to make Christmas stories. So I guess I'm okay with it. I I made a lot of freaking money though. I disagree. They were, they were wonderful, wonderful movies. (laughs) (laughs) So Bob Clark is the neighbor Swede in the scene where the neighbor comes up and Darren McGavin is, is looking into his own, the window of his own house to see the lamp. And uh, that is that is Bob. So he gets to be in the. I think that's mandatory. If you were directing the movie and wrote the movie, you get to write yourself in as a part. I oh think yeah, it's, it's gotta absolutely. Do that. Yes. And the, the way that he came up with this is such a great story. He was in his car driving to pick up a date, and he was listening to a radio show, and they were reading John Gene Shepherd, who we're going to talk about in a minute, who wrote the book. Mm-hmm. The book was also a bunch of little snippets. He used to write little stories that would get published, and they were reading some of these stories over the radio. And so he wanted to hear the end of the story. So he just kept driving around. He made his date late because <laughs> he wanted to hear the end of the story. And he like he got this idea from just hearing the way Gene Shepard wrote mm-hmm. about how this whole story would come together. And then he wrote the screenplay after that, which is just great. It's crazy. He also went on to direct Rhinestone. And Turk 182, that's a throwback into the 80s. You guys remember Turk 182? Very, uh, very weird, weird movie. But we yeah, also- never, never had any really huge successes after that, but mm-hmm. he was directing literally until the year he died. Wow. He, he was a very pro- prolific director, but never was able to recreate the success he had with the Porky's movies. Seems like a fun dude. Seems like a fun dude. We got to talk about the screenwriter and narrator, uh, Gene Shepard. Gene Shepard, this movie is based on the 1966 novel In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash by Gene. The author also appears in the movie as the man that tells Ralphie he is cutting in line to see Santa. I did not know that. And, and the voice of adult Ralphie, that means he is the narrator. The book, sta- now, yeah. the book started out as a series of short stories published in Playboy of all places. I know. <laughs> no, this is why you'd think the Porky's connection is very strong with this movie. There must be like an underlying tone of what the old man and mother are doing off camera because this, oh. this was inspired by lots of boobs. Uh, Nelson McClintock says he also did the original Black Christmas as well. Very, quite diverse. The picture we're showing of him now, Rob can't see the pictures we have, but he's got sunglasses, a little beanie hat on, and a big cigar. Looks like he's at the Playboy Mansion, actually. But uh, (laughs) this, so this guy who wrote stories in Playboy and also directed the Porky's movies has made one of the most cherished uh, cherished childhood Christmas movies of all time. So I feel a better. Piece of Americana, a piece as of you Americana, it, Scott. I uh, th- my own writing covers a lot of different areas, from uh, incredibly foul-mouthed and incredibly violent to reasonably clean. So you know, good for him. Let's see. Um, Shepard spent a lot of time on set at the beginning until director Bob Clark caught him telling the kids how to play their parts, <laughs> and he was asked to leave. I <laughs> was asked to leave the set. Incredible. But talking about kids, Rob, we cannot even begin to discuss this movie yeah. without talking about the man, the myth, Peter Billingsley. Yeah, Mr. Ralphie, a uh, master Ralphie Parker himself. Um, and Billingsley, it's really interesting. He was already a recognizable face. He had uh, done some work as like a child host of real people. Um, but yeah, he got the part and it's really interesting. Um, the director, he, Billingsley was the first kid he saw. Okay. The first kid he auditioned. And Davis was like, well, this kid's perfect. But he's like, I can't hire the first kid the first I kid. see. There's just, I mean, I've got to. They saw 8,000 other kids. What? Uh, including including Will Wheaton, uh, including <laughs> Sean Astin. Um, and then Bob Davis hired the first kid that he saw. <laughs> 8,000 kids. Holy cow. Can you imagine how long that process must I'm have gonna been? I'm going to guess but... by like 2,148, the kid would just walk on the stage. Next, they were like, screw you, get out. You don't look right. 8,000 little kids. Yeah, All of them exactly dreaming right. of the and big then, time. Um, yeah, people also recognize Peter. He played Messy Marvin in the old Nestle Quick commercials. I guarantee you can find those online yeah, somewhere. There's some pictures of um, him on but... screen right now. Yeah. He does not have a very prolific acting resume. He never really starred in much after that. Okay. He was in a bad B movie, like like thriller, almost a horror movie, mm-hmm. and then just kind of did little small bit parts. Um, but he started producing and directing, and he gave Bob Davis, who directed this movie, a lot of credit for that. He and Davis became kind of lifelong friends. Okay, he saw Davis as a mentor. He started teaching him about directing, and they stayed in touch and into producing. And now. Peter Billingsley, 
Uh, he's an Emmy nominated producer wow. and he has also produced some of the biggest movies we know. There's a little something um, you might have heard of called Iron Man. Um, Peter Billingsley was the executive producer of Iron what? Man. Peter Billingsley essentially helped launch the MCU. <laughs> Ralphie did. Yes, exactly right. Oh and here's how it happened, Scotty. All right. Um, Peter, Peter Billingsley was in a, a 1990, like an after school special with okay. Vince Vaughn. Okay. And they became fast friends. And once he became friends with Vince Vaughn, he also became friends with John Favreau. And the three of them started working together. Okay. And that eventually led to uh, Billingsley producing Elf. And okay. John Favreau directed it. And Favreau directing Elf is what they used to decide to let him direct Iron Man. And he said, well, you've got to bring my producer with me. He's going to be in charge of the whole thing. And there you have it. The MCU is all Ralphie. Unbelievable. All Ralphie. So Ralphie must be uh, rolling in them ducats right now. And Elf came out when? Do you remember when Elf came out? Elf? I don't know. Was it around the year 2000? Not long after that, must I be. But Elf predates Iron Man is what I'm like. Elf predates Iron Man, wow. yes. Wow. It was Favreau's, um, Favreau directed Elf mm -hmm. and then after they saw Elf, which is crazy to me that someone had the vision to see Elf and say, oh yeah, this guy could totally do Iron Man. <laughs> like, I want to be in that meeting. I want to see how that happens. Right? Uh, well, in um, my in my limited experience with Hollywood so far, with people trying to adapt my books, it's, it's nuts. The first thing anybody gives a rat's ass about is, did you actually make a thing that appeared on TV or appeared on film uh, in a theater? Because that is almost impossible to accomplish. Making a movie or TV show is so friggin' complicated. The fact that you can get anything to market, that check mark yes. Right off the bat, they're like, great, you made something and it made money? Great, you can come do this. That's all they care yeah. about. It's amazing. Great point. Well, they keep plugging away, buddy. So We're at it. He has still kept acting, but always small parts. Um, he'll appear in a lot of his movies, just like Bob Davis did. He was, he was Ming Ming. Um, the head elf in Elf. Okay. Um, you know the one that you know tells tells tells. You've got a lot of special skills. Yeah, there, buddy. Okay, great. Uh, he's also a scientist that was in both the original Iron Man and yep. then one of the scientists that helps Mysterio in Spider-Man: uh, oh. Far From Home. I haven't seen so, Spider-Man: Far From Home yet. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, he was one. He was one of the scientists. So, okay. Um, and as has become the tradition, uh, we keep hearing this over and over again. I think actors are just thieves. They steal <laughs> things from set. They do. And Ralphie got to keep. No, no, he stole the, the pink bunny suit. He still has that. Wow. Um, he also stole the Red Rider BB gun with okay. the compass and the thing in the stock that tells time. Um, and he also keep. Got to keep the pair of glasses that he crushed. Real glasses. You know, he broke his glasses. You know, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. And the reason he got to keep those is was those were not a prop. He just used his own glasses and he crushed them. So those were actually <laughs> his glasses that he broke on set. I guarantee wow. his parents were very happy about that. What a method actor. What a, what <laughs> <That's> a <right laughs> student of the craft he was. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Yoakum asks, what are you boys drinking uh, today? Jeff, oh. I'm just drinking a little bit. A little bit of soda today, actually. Uh, Robbie, how about you? I am drinking another uh, drink that came from the box that the Siglers sent me. Uh, this Fabulous. is another mezcal drink Ooh. called the uh, El Palanca. Um, you know, mezcal and some, you know, pineapple and little dried pineapple kind Fabulous. of cool thing here. It's a, it's, it's awesome. So Fabulous. Cheers. It is, uh, it is 2 o'clock in the afternoon here on the West Coast. And I have a bunch of, I get to have fun this afternoon, do a bunch of music stuff. Look up the band Super Weapon, everybody. One word, Super Weapon. Go to Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Just start spinning the crap out of the songs. I'll tell you about it some other time. But that is our, oh, hey. our new project. There well, we that plug almost hit me right in the face. <laughs> you got to gotta let people know what you got, man. And then <laughs> that moves us on to uh, this woman, Melinda Dillon, mm -hmm. who is arguably the best box office draw out of all of these movies, Rob. Yeah, I mean, she's a two-time Oscar nominee. Mm -hmm. She was nominated for um, Close Counters of the, of the Third Kind for Best Supporting Actress. Okay. Also Best Supporting Actress in Absence of Malice and mm -hmm. has been in, I mean, you look at her IMDb page, it's hundreds. I mean, there's, she's putting out four or five movies every year before this one, wow. after this one, and well into the 2000s. So she is absolutely prolific. And yeah, she's been part of some of the biggest movies, of course, including the best 
hockey movie Best ever hockey made. Movie. Yes, Slapshot. Uh, Slapshot. What yes, part did exactly she play correct. in Slapshot? Was she uh, the wife, Paul Newman's wife? Uh, she was the lesbian, the lesbian. The lesbian. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, I've seen all of these movies that we're talking about that she's been in, some of them numerous times, and I honestly never knew when I, no matter how many times I've seen a Christmas story, I never knew that she was in all these other movies. So she's really, uh, I guess that's a credit to her. She's really good yeah. at being, being a different character in all of these different movies. Uh, unlike of course, Oh, the shoes in Harry and the Hendersons. Let's not forget that. Absolutely. Harry and I'm the, telling you, man, there's you, you start looking at movies. Yeah, you could probably crazy. do six degrees of separation. Oh yeah. With Dylan, you and could. third best Sasquatch movie of all time. So that's pretty good. <laughs> now we move on to somebody who is always the same guy in every movie he's in, and that is Darren McGavin, who plays the old man. Robert, uh, you point out that the names of the parents were never mentioned in this movie. No, it was Mother Parker and the old man. That's how they were listed in the credits. It's uh-huh. we, we never know their names because. You know, to kids, you don't know your parents' names. They're the old man and their mom. That's who they are. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. And of course, uh, Darren McGavin, just brilliant, wonderful character actor. So and great. So incredible and was just killer in the Night Stalker. Those of you who are old enough to remember this show, this was a spec fi- speculative fiction horror show. Um, you know, every hour it was a monster of the week and he was a, re- a reporter and a photographer reporting on these things. Predates the X-Files by a couple decades. Just wonderful show. If you've never seen it, now in the days of streaming, I suggest you go back yeah. and check that out. Uh, and he's always, like you said, Scott, he's always gruff, but sometimes he's the nice gruff guy. Okay. And then sometimes he's the bastard gruff guy, <laughs> but always gruff. <laughs> he's him and Dabney Coleman kind of cross. Uh, they're, they're kind of a Venn diagram of each yep. other. Uh, Gap, Darren McGavin might be best known for playing the gambler Gus Sands in The Natural, for which he chose to be uncredited because of a contract dispute. And Rob, have you guys, have you guys ever done The Natural in one of these stories, Max? We have not. We have not. All right. I don't know if I should. Do you want me to tell the story now or you want to do the natural at some point? And well, I can tell we the might story get to then. the natural at some point or we'll come back and we'll see how we're doing a time at the end of this. All now, right. Is this, is this right, Rob? Jack Nicholson was interested in the role of the father? Yeah. And actually, the producers were interested in him. Um, he read the script. He loved it. He thought it would be great. And uh-huh. then his agent told them how much it would cost. And it was like, $4 million, which was the entire <laughs> budget of the movie. And they said, oh, maybe we could go with somebody else. <laughs> call, call that Night Stalker but, guy. He looked good. Let's do it. Yeah, right. Tell him to take off the goddamn hat and get him in here. But can oh, you boy. imagine what a different movie this would have been? Honestly, not only with Nicholson, but with anyone other than Darren McGavin. Yeah. Yeah. Darren McGavin is magic in this. And apparently he is a martial arts black belt back in the day. Rob, we have a very, uh, a very thirst in thirst thirst picture of McGavin up. You'll have to come back and watch it after the fact. Okay. Robbie's got sweatpants on and he's shirtless, hairy chest. Apparently he's pretending to throw a ball. I'm not sure. But it's always fun when you uh, you see an actor who is into middle age or past middle age and that's when you discover them. Then you go back and see pictures of them when you're young and it's kind of that weird, weird dissonance. Yep. But enough to talk about the grown-ups. Enough to talk about the grown-ups. Yeah. This, movie, this movie is all about 
the ensemble cast of the kids. We've got Rob. Tell us about Scotty Schwartz Fleck. So Scotty Schwartz plays Fleck, which is odd because the other character's name is Schwartz and not played by Scotty Schwartz. But hey, <laughs> I didn't I didn't cast this movie. It's just me. So um, a year earlier, he was probably one of the the bigger names in this movie because just a year earlier he was in the movie The Toy with Richard Pryor, which did extremely well. So yeah, they yeah. brought they brought uh, Scotty Schwartz in to do the toy, and then that thing that happens with most child actors—they have that awkward phase. Yeah. Well, Scotty Schwartz's awkward phase lasted about twelve years okay. after the making of this movie. <laughs> yeah, to the point where I mean, he just couldn't get any parts. He was too old to do kids. Okay. Uh, he was he was too not good to be an adult actor. So he did what any uh, actor would do. He went into porn. Oh, did he really? Holy oh, cats. Oh, yes, he did. We are, yes. uh, we seem to be stuck on the adult content uh, relationships <laughs> throughout a Christmas story. Porkies, yeah, Playboy, and porn. <laughs> Porkies, Playboy, Scotty Schwartz is Schwartz. So, Scott- yeah. Um, he. <laughs> So yeah, he, he he used his own name. He was Scotty Schwartz, and some of the movies were, especially the early ones, were based okay. around you know him being a child star who's going into porn and then you know helping him along. I see. If you sell Shay, yeah, but he did that for years. There are dozens of porn titles that Scotty Schwartz. Well, I not I've never watched porn. I never would I watch porn. But if I did, I would. I'm kind of curious how that goes, Rob. But he got his uh, he got his career back a little bit there like in the, trying to yeah, in the yes he's been doing some web shows over the last half dozen years or so one of them was called the comeback kids um and it was produced directed and put together by <laughs> former okay what's guys? the comeback kids is not a porn movie oh no shit you're right <laughs> damn it no spelled different oh well oh, different it. thing got it right. okay but it's about child actors trying to you know get right. their lives together so mm-hmm. it's kind of a clever premise and it starred all child actors who were oh. like the b-list child actors that's, so that's kind of clever that's great it's just a web series it was mm-hmm. only around for about a year all right um and then during quarantine mm-hmm. a lot of those same actors came back and they're now in the middle of doing another web series called the quarantine bunch okay where they're all dealing with quarantine as well as good their careers good for that have come to full stop so yeah those are out there on the web you can find both of them rob tell us about the the tongue scene is way more complicated than people think and i didn't know this till the last time i watched it rob tell us about how they made how they froze this kid's tongue off and mutilated his face good yeah it uh it, it really i always thought it was real like, like the way to do that, like they knew they could get him, you know, unstuck without hurting him is the only thing that I thought whenever I saw that scene. But you'll notice they shot the scene from about a three quarter angle. So you never actually see his mm-hmm. tongue stuck to the metal, but you can see him pulling back uh, and he can't talk. Yeah. Stop, stop. And you see his tongue. And you're like, oh, is that a fake tongue? No, it's not a fake tongue. What they did is they put a hole in that pole. Again, back to Scotty Schwartz. Um, and there's there's like a suction device. And so he could put his tongue out and the suction device would hold on. They could turn it off at any time. But the suction device would just like suck on the end of his tongue. Yeah. And he could oh, sure. he could pull it around. And none freaking, of this none of this sounds like genius. None of this sounds like porn at all. This is just No, not not at all. Tongues and, and so this is, yes, this so is getting Scotty out of Schwartz hand. tongued the hole until they told him to stop. Um <laughs> Uh, A A, A is not going to be happy when she watches this episode. (laughs) Exactly right. But that is literally like the only special effect in the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, that's why that's why the costs were so low. Everything else was done practically, except that kind of one scene. And that's still a practical special effect, too. And this is an Indiana movie and they've got a homage to him somewhere in Indiana. Yes, that's right. So um, at the Indiana Welcome Center in Hammond, Indiana, which is where uh, Gene Shepard grew up. Okay. That's where the where the stories are based, they actually have a statue of <laughs> a flex tongue stuck to a flagpole at the Welcome Center. And I think that's freaking clever. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I did not mean uh, for all of this content to go so, so dirty. Uh, I thought this was a nice, clean Christmas movie, but Rob and I uh, were not very good at uh, at not diving a into leaves the us alone for five <laughs> minutes, and this is what happens. This is her fault. I'm telling you, it's her fault. Uh, you can't is- leave two of us alone. <laughs>
I got some stories of what has happened when the two of us were left alone. Yes, Trust yes. me. We are not, Hello, Kitty. We are not responsible when we are unsupervised. That is somebody else. Why you, that's why you have supervisors, so they can supervise people. And our supervisor it's not, Yeah, it's not sick. the volcano's fault you weren't watching it, that it exploded. <laughs> it's not the volcano's fault. I'm Since just we're saying. talking about Schwartz's Schwartz, let's move on to <laughs> Schwartz in the movie. Yes. Rob, R.D. Rob, who played Schwartz. Keep track yeah, of all your and, Schwartz and your polls. We'll get through this. Yeah, not not much. I mean, uh, most of these other kids um, didn't have much of a career. R.D. Rob didn't have much of a career, a few mm-hmm. things, but he followed in the path of Peter Billingsley and have become a Hollywood producer. Yeah. And if you were watching the freeform science fiction series called Sirens, mm-hmm. he's the producer on that show. That's that's his baby. So he's doing very well behind the scenes. Um, and he also has had a small recurring role as a photographer, Paul Sirachman on the Goldbergs, which is on ABC. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yep. still getting out there, but he's definitely, you know, inside Hollywood. And yeah. as you said, Scott, he's getting things made that are making made? money. People like him. People hire him. And uh, to to give another insight into how we have, uh, how A and I are in the orbit of Hollywood, but not actually landed in Hollywood yet, uh, that Scott Stewart is the director of the pilot of Sirens, and he was signed on to be the director for the pilot for Nocturnal for uh, for a while, for about a year, and then he went on to do other things and it, and it didn't happen. But I saw that. I texted him like, hey, Sirens came up today. Hope you're doing well. We were looking up Artie Rob, and uh, Scott Stewart says Artie Rob is a hell of a guy. and awesome. Nice. So that's really nice. Kind of nice. And if you ever meet him, you got to walk up to him and say, hi, smart ass. I triple dog dare you. That's <laughs> what you got to say. And triple then dog. he will never let you work in Hollywood again. So there <laughs> sure, you go. Sure, he never hears. I will. Tri- hey, say triple dog dare. Speaking of, <laughs> and the kid, one of the other kids who made this movie, here he is as a grown up. This is Zach Ward, who played Scott Farkas. And I, let's say that first name again because Scott. Scott, a lot of people mispronounce that name. I didn't know until literally a half an hour ago that it wasn't <laughs> Scott Farkas. I didn't know. I'm like, and I looked at Scott and I'm like, oh, that's a typo. I'm going to go correct that. Nope. Scott. Scott Farkas. It is the Scott Farkas affair in case you ever need to uh, talk about it again. But yes, Scott Farkas. He had yellow teeth. I swear he had yellow teeth. Out of all the kids in this movie, he is the one who's gone on to make a career actually in acting. He has over a hundred credits as a TV guest star in TV movies and as a voice actor in smaller parts. And, you know, here's his pro picks. His pro picks, he's all all swarthy and whatnot. Credits include American Horror Story, Always Sun in Philadelphia, which makes him automatically a legend in my book. And There's a notch. There's another notch. It's another notch. Did. Way to you, go, Scott. You've done Always Sunny. You're the man. And he also did Sharknado and was in Dollhouse. So, excellent, excellent. And then, Rob, now we move on to Scott's buddy, Grover Dill. Not his buddy, his toady, His toady, Grover Dill, <laughs> who's played by one of the greatest names ever, Yano Anaya. Oh, I want to be Yano Anaya. Oh, doesn't that sound like a Star Trek name? It or does. A Star Wars name? It does. Also, uh, because I am in uh, bands with, um, gosh, what's after Generation Y? Millennials. And the, yeah, no, is the preface to almost everything that is said ever. <laughs> How was lunch? How was lunch? Yeah, no, it was good. I'm like, so was that not good? Or I don't I don't understand what's happening. So Yano Anoya, I can see where this guy gets his name. So Grover Dell has literally five credits to his acting <laughs> career. And three of them are completely iconic. Okay. But of course, Yano was Grover Dill, the toady who was Scott Farkas's right-hand man mm-hmm. through this entire movie of Christmas story. Number two. The Van Halen video for Hot for Teacher. Yano played young Michael Anthony in that video. (laughs) I mean, come on. And number three, he was one of the paper boys in the John Cusack movie, Better Off Dead. And for some odd reason, he was also the voice of the main paper boy. So he he dubbed the other guy's voice. Yeah, so they probably... Filmed the whole movie with that kid's voice uh-huh. and then realized it wasn't what they wanted. And so they got Yano to come in and say, I want my $2. <laughs> that's crazy. And then, so I mean, come on, that's, 
that kid should be ret- he should never have to buy a drink in this town again are you kidding me yeah somebody find yano anaya and buy him a drink i would buy him a drink also he yano uh, to you buddy he went from being a little kid toady and now he's he's built like a brick shit house now the dude's clearly spends a lot of time in the gym oh, it's yeah, very he's fun like, um right he's just like a like a like a lifestyle fitness guru oh, is that what he, kind is of thing? guy now. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we may have to do better off dead at some point. What a, what an absolutely uh, classic, movie. classic movie. So let me go back to our main guest shot here. So we've got some uh, interesting details, some interesting details on this movie. First of all, Rob, I believe you may have given me this. It's on the script. I don't know. All three sure. leg lamp product, all three leg lamps produced for this movie for filming were all broken in the process. Yeah. And it's funny because it's so very obvious, like after the lamp breaks in the movie and it's funny, it happens off scene mm-hmm. and you hear this crashing glass and then they show the mom holding it there. It's obviously made out of really cheap plastic the yeah. whole time, you know, it's plastic, but it sounds like breaking glass, but yeah, all three <laughs> of them. So there's no, like, there's no original lamp. Like, you know, they, they, they call it the hero prop, okay. the one that was used in the movie that you can match the movie. All three of them got broken. So there's no hero prop of the oh. lamp, although you can buy God, them they're everywhere. Anywhere, right? they're, they're everywhere. They're amazing. Um, the now culturally insensitive yes. scene, which was culturally insensitive back then, but that wasn't. It, people weren't quite as concerned with that, where the waiters in the Chinese restaurant sing carols was a surprise to the actors. It was never rehearsed in front of them, so the reactions are genuine. <laughs> they only shot that once, Rob, for real? Well, the singing part. Right, because it was just something that that Bob Davis decided to add. So he got together with all the actors and said, hey, let's try this. So they only did it once because they wanted the genuine reaction. So when you see first the confused looks and then the laughing and the kind of talking to each other that the four, you know, the two kids and the parents are doing it, the laughing and all that stuff. They stayed in character, but that is all them going, I don't know what's going on, but we're we're rolling, so let's go. It's amazing. Yeah. It'd be a different scene if it was shot today, because if they shot that today, all of the actors at the table would be like, "Uh, my career's over. My career is completely over. We can't do any of that. Rob, there's a detail about the the restaurant's name. Yes. Yes. It's the Chop Suey Palace, but if you look at it, they show the outside once, um, you know, when they're coming in, Mm -hmm. and it's the Bo Ling Chop Suey Palace. (laughs) But it's it's not actually Bowling's Chop Suey Palace. It's it's a bowling alley, but the W is burnt out on the electric sign. So it's it's Bowling's Chop Suey Palace. Sure, why not? Yes, uh, difficult to make that movie uh, today. The movie Uh-oh. partially inspired the creation of the TV show The Wonder Years. You can definitely see the connections of there. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's I don't think it partially. It's the freaking direct steal. The direct steal. It's the kid as himself older telling you the story which is funny same thing the same way that they did stand by me stand by me i thought of that two years later yep the adult kid looking back and telling the you know story of remembering their child it's a great device it's a great device um great device yeah peter billingsley even appears on the show uh the wonder years in the final season yeah, he's he's uh, he's one of Kevin's like college roommates. Oh, that's so great, Peter Billingsley. That's so yeah, so great. that's yeah, it's pretty clever actually. Uh, Rob, how many times does he say "Red Rider" be begun in this movie? Twenty-eight times. He says it <laughs> twenty-eight <laughs> times in some fashion or another, but it's always Red Rider and either BB gun or air gun. Okay. Those, those are okay. always together. And then sometimes he adds the compass in the stock, and sometimes he adds the uh, the thing in the stock that tells time. The thing in the stock which tells time. Like, what is, which can't you call time. it a clock? I, I've yeah. never, a, a uh, watch? Uh, yes. I've never understood yes, that. Yes, it is. So Ralphie, the, the saying that 28 times, <laughs> it's, it's the kids' movie version of Scarface, except he's not... <laughs> He's not saying fuck 120 or blink 182 times. Because those of you who don't know, blink 182, that's where they got their name. That's the number of times that Al Pacino says fuck in Scarface. And uh, I had did I never knew that did not until know that? this moment. It's, I was this old when I found that out. Um there was another Ralphie fantasy scene where he's fighting alongside Flash Gordon. It was cut at the last minute. That is why Flash and Ming are at the end of the credits. I wish, God, I wish that was out there somewhere. I did not know that. I did if not you know that. Watch the Yeah, I, I've never been able to discover the scene. It was shot. It was cut. Yeah. I believe it might have been in some of the um, almost like a post-credit scene. Might have been in some of the early viewings. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, if you watch the credits, right towards the end of the Man. credits, it says Flash Gordon and Ming the Merciless <laughs> and the actors who played them. And you're just sitting there going, 
well, one, who the hell sits through the credits? This is not an MCU sure, movie. Sure. But two, when the hell were Flash Gordon and Ming the Merciless in this movie? Know. So I first noticed that, Scott, like years ago okay. when it was doing its, because you'd leave the movie on because sure. it's starting again at the top sure. of the hour as yeah. part of the marathon. And so, yeah, the credits are rolling by and I was just uh. like, did that say Flash Gordon and Ming the Merciless? It would be there. interesting to think that a movie that has the Chinese guys singing the Christmas Carol at the end includes that, that there's a scene where they looked at the Ming the Merciless and were like, that's too racist. We can't. No, we can't. <laughs> we can't. We can't do this. And then you have to wonder just how bad it would be. Uh, Bruce Press, yes, Gross Point Blank would be a great one. Uh, it would be amazing. Or whole John Cusack episode. He's done so much cool stuff. Rob Tinarella. Rob. Uh, Ten Rails apologize. Star Wars did not come out in 76. came out in 77. May of 77. 77. Okay. So, so we Tin were, Man coming back. You know what? Close enough. It came out in our childhood, and everything for about 15 years is our childhood. So it yeah. all counts as a same. It all counts. All right, let me take over here for you, Scotty. Hit it. So let's talk about some of the other things. Um, okay. The weird kid in the department store, right? Mm -hmm. When they're at the back of the line, he's like, I like Wizard of Oz. I like the Tin Man. Yep. See, now we can say that because we're not actually playing the scene. Um, he was just an extra. <laughs> okay. He was an extra. Santa Claus was an extra. The two elves were extras. And it was just that they were shooting this in Cleveland because mm -hmm. that's it, it was in uh, the setting was Indiana, but it was shot in Cleveland. Um, but yeah, the the these were just extras that Bob Davis found and like, well, that kid looks interesting and talked to him for a minute and found out that he was a total weirdo and like, oh, we're putting this kid in the movie. So like, that, yeah. none of that was scripted. They just added it on the fly as they went. Yeah. And they're just like, here, say this, say this. And the kid would say it. And he was just like this naturally odd kid. And he's fantastic. Yeah. And think about the elves <laughs> and Santa Claus. I mean, they're, the they're elves were extras integral. too. Those were all extras. They That's just crazy. found them in Cleveland. They're great. They showed up and were just like, oh, can you try this? And she was, you know, the elves were in pissy moods and Santa <laughs> with his ho, ho, ho. I mean, bam. So, yeah, that's. That's it's so phenomenal. cool that they were on location. Those people never would have been in a movie. Uh, you wonder if they, that could be another reason they get done with the movie. They're editing and like it's flash Gordon or this. And they're like, this just played so much better. Yeah. So they just cut that extra stuff real quick. A Greybeard actually had a red rider BB gun as a kid. No That's way. Nice. Yeah. He's, he actually had one of those things. Yeah. They were, they were real things that that part wasn't made up. That was something that uh, Gene Shepard, the writer wanted when he was a kid. And so that was, that whole thing is was really out there. And you guys um, so we talked about Scotty, we talked about the location being yep. in Ohio, yep. right? So the exteriors and the um the scene inside the department store mm -hmm. were shot in Ohio. Okay. The interiors were all shot in Toronto. Oh. So they had to match scenes that they shot in Toronto inside okay. and then match them when they went back after Christmas. So it was winter when they shot the exterior yeah. stuff yep. and had to match them to what the actors were doing in scenes they shot two months ago inside. Wow. So yeah, that was cool. But that house um, is still in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh -huh. And uh, Brian Jones uh, bought it on eBay back in 2005 <laughs> for $150,000. Wow. But a couple hundred thousand dollars more into recreating the interior. So okay. it just like the Holy movie. Cow. And now you can pay 15 bucks and walk through the house and check it out. <laughs> and then there's, there's also a, across the street, there's like a, um, you know, a, a store where you can go buy the lamp and mm -hmm. all the memorabilia and stuff. Okay. And it's an official museum across the street as well. So nice. you can check all that out. It's right there in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> um, they have a website for all this. They even have, 24 seven at the museum, mm -hmm. they have a camera pointed at the house. And so you can watch, you know, sped up daily. You know, like I wow. watched it from a few weeks ago where it snowed. And so I got to watch the house get like covered in snow. I don't know. It was just like, what am I doing with my life that I'm sitting there <laughs> watching the Christmas story house? I was going to try and make some kind of dirty joke out of the, out of that, but you, no. you took care of it. Went pathetic. The last, pathetic's yeah, a good way the to go. The last thing about the house yeah. is you can stay in the kid's room overnight. What? What? You can stay on the third floor. They keep it closed, but you can stay there overnight. Holy you have to be cats. out by 9 a.m. the next morning. Okay. Right. You can also stay 
next door at the Bumpus's house. Oh my god! You can stay. Do the dog? Are there dogs there too? Do they have the goddamn? I don't sons believe of the four hundred smelly hounds that ignore <laughs> everyone but my old man are there. I don't believe so. But yeah, you can go go to the website and you can book a stay for like up to a half dozen people at the actual Christmas story house or the Bumpus's house. So it's Hammond. And when the story opens up and you're reading a and I watched it again a couple nights ago. And as you're reading, they say, this is a story set in a small Midwestern town. So the mm-hmm. opening sequences going through all the houses and showing the kids uh, with the, the big, it's like 15 story building in the downtown. And he's mm-hmm. like, so that was what Christmas was like for you guys. Cause you're from a small <laughs> town, right? And I'm like, we had one building that was three stories and that was city <laughs> hall. We, there's no 15 story buildings where I grew up. And also there's no, there's no, traffic lights we had two blinking lights when rob and i were kids we had two blinking lights we didn't actually have an actual red light in the town it's true it's true absolutely true you know one of the biggest days of our childhood remember that 15 year chunk i talked about yep. the day mcdonald's opened. it was huge Woo! it was huge we were like huge day holy cats we got us at mcdonald's we're like a real town now this is nuts huge. rob it says so yeah, it was actually were- shot in cleveland which it's not necessarily a small Midwestern no, town. Not a small Midwestern town. There, there were three sequels to this. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, there were. And I've, I've seen two of them. Okay. And um, if you could just take my uh, advice, don't waste <laughs> any more of your life watching any of these movies. You're better off watching the cam just stuck on the house than watching these actual movies. What, 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 were, what were they? All right. So there was a TV movie made in 1988. So again, this was years after the original and it had started picking up steam okay. on um, a Christmas story had on, on video cassettes. Right. So in 88, Jerry O'Connell played Ralphie um, in a movie called Ollie hoop noodles, Haven of bliss. <laughs> yes. Who, who could have missed that? Right. But yes, it was a story about Ralphie getting his first job at a, um, oh at like gosh. a furniture store. Oh right? my gosh. Okay. okay. Then 1994, um, Kieran Culkin plays Ralphie. Charles Grodin oh, and Mary Steenburgen wow. are the old man and the mother. Nice. And this was an actually the only one that got released to theaters. It was called My Summer Story. Okay. Um, and it was about, you know, Ralphie in the summer and he's uh he's he's battling a bully with tops. I did not make that up. And so the whole <laughs> thing is his quest to get the best top to be able to beat the bully at tops. Oh my god. This uh, uh, we keep trying to elevate this out of the porn category, and it keeps getting dragged back down again. <laughs> Ralphie trying to get the best top out of the bullies. I don't yes, even know. This is exactly just right. this is. And, and then, then there's, yeah. uh, in 2012, um, the unfortunate Daniel Stern was in a straight-to-video sequel called <laughs> the very original A Christmas Story Two. And I'm telling you, <laughs> they. They are not on a 24-hour replay on any channel that you would care to watch. I'll tell you that much. So it's, it's just not worth your time. All right. We're going to – I'm going to add something on the fly here, you guys. Give me one nice. second. I just – we got to talk about this. I just have to do it. Image. Let's call it image eight. Okay. Here we go. This is just like when we discovered that there was a Cthulhu ground groundhog in <laughs> a You're looking at the poster, the original poster. Yeah, yeah. So this is nuts. Okay, so let's get this up right here. Uh oh, it's freezing. Yeah, they they did not do her any justice. This is just bizarre. Poster. I'm gonna blow this up so you guys can see this. <laughs> what is her name so again? So bad. <laughs> it's so Melinda, it's, Melinda Dillon. It this literally looks like the guy who wrote the movie, not actually <laughs> Melinda Dillon. You can see this. It's astonishing. Ralphie looks good. Darren looks good. There's a Santa coming down the chimney, which doesn't have anything to do with anything. And the then, lamp looks good. The lamp looks good. There's a drop turkey. There's the bumpus hounds. Wrong species. And then here she is. It's just just bonkers. So I just wanted to share that with all you guys. There's some kind. There's something going on. Somebody had it uh, had it in for her and tried to tank her career. And guess what? It didn't work. It didn't it work did, out at all. It, it didn't work. It didn't work out. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our coverage of A Christmas Story. I hope you learned some things today that you did not know before. Also, we apologize for the excessive level of porn content in this. <laughs> I There were things I didn't know and things I now wish I didn't know. And hopefully, thank God there are things I can't unsee after all this, just things I didn't know. 
You can't unlearn that. <sighs> can't unsee it. Story Smack is on hiatus until 2021. This will be the last one for 2020. Keep watching scottsigler.com, facebook.com slash uh, Story Smack, facebook.com slash scottsigler. We don't even know what our next movie will be, but Rob, I wanted to thank you. You have made this this year. You come out, I think this is your fourth Story Smack. And now it's, Sounds hard, good. it's hard to think how we do one without you, but it's super fun to have you on. People seem to enjoy this quite a bit. And I think everyone is wondering how we could possibly do this without A. So, <laughs> yeah, and they're not wrong. <laughs> we are managed. Thanks, Scotty. It's been, it's been a thrill. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. All right, buddy. We are. I'm now going to hang up on your ass and boom and bye. There we go. Okay, back to Maine. I should have kept, God darn it, I should have kept Rob on for the, the, kiss, here, the kiss off into the sky. But, um. I am now going, I'm off to check on my my wife who is a little bit sick to the tummy. So that does it for episode number 61 of Story Smack. We can find A and I online. I am at Scott Sigler on Twitter and Instagram, one word. Facebook page, of course, is Scott Sigler or Facebook.com slash Scott Sigler. A is at Re- A Real Girl on Twitter and A at A dot Real dot Girl on Instagram. Uh, Find us at facebook.com slash story smack. You can watch a stream story smack every other Saturday, except you know when 2021 starts around. You can also watch these shows. If you're listening on the podcast, you can watch us at twitch.tv slash Scott Sigler, youtube.com slash Scott Sigler, and facebook.com slash Scott Sigler. We'd love to have you join us for a live stream two Saturdays every month. In addition to story smack, we also do a twice weekly live stream called Sigler in place on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, wherever you are listening to this you can hear it there or at those places i mentioned above and of course where we made our bones we give away a free chunk of story every stinking sunday we've done it for 15 years unabridged you can get my fiction every sunday via itunes spotify iHeartRadio, and more just go to scottsigler.com subscribe for links we hope you subscribe so you can hear more of my awesome lipless voice and my brilliant very modest approach to life and more story smack goodness in the future everybody in the chat room you're fantastic we love you everybody we hope you have a very very happy holiday hopefully that 2020 goes out a little better than it came in and no that was not yet another porn reference so until next episode we will talk to you all real soon contained herein are the heresies of radolf buntwine erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.